Welcome to the Expect MBA podcast. I'm your host, Brett Twitty, and you are listening to a new episode. On this episode of the podcast, I'm excited to share a recording of a recent Executive MBA alumni panel we hosted. Uh, This conversation features several alumni from recent Executive MBA classes talking about their decision to pursue an MBA, what led them to Darden, the impact of their Darden experience, their advice for prospective students, and so much more. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. Without further ado, here's a recording from a recent Executive MBA alumni panel. Well, welcome, everyone. So nice to have you here uh, to host this uh, alumni conversation. We're joined by a number of alums from our recent executive MBA classes. As you can see, we've got folks from the class of 2018, 2019, and 2020. And I always come to these sessions to hear what our our alums have been up to. I learned so much uh, through uh, these conversations. But this is also a time for you to ask any questions that might be on your mind. I've prepared some questions just to kind of get things going here. But if you have questions as we go along, uh, please feel free to ask via the Q&A. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about these folks' background, how they decided to pursue an MBA, what brought them to Darden. And then we'll start to transition the conversation to how Darden impacted their career, what you know, what they're doing these days, how they continue to use uh, their MBA. Uh, but please feel free to ask any questions uh, that might be on your mind. This will be about 55 minutes or, or so. We'll go to right about 7 o'clock. Um, with that as introduction, uh, Dave, can I come to you first uh, to kind of kick us off? You were the first person on here with me, so you get you get the cold call. Uh, so tell us a little Excellent. bit more about who you are, what you do currently, and your background. Sure thing. My name is David Wadelick. I'm currently the Chief Collaboration and Programs Officer at Feedmore, and uh, Feedmore is in Richmond, Virginia. It's the Central Virginia Food Bank and Meals on Wheels program. Um, collectively, it uh, serves about 35 to 40 million pounds of food, which is about 30 million meals per year. Um, equating to the business side, it's about $100 million in equivalent revenue that we deal with uh, each and every year. We've got a team of about 115 permanent staff members and up to 2,000 volunteers that we coordinate, uh, approximately 200 volunteers every single day. And our mission is to address food insecurity. It is a nonprofit. Um, and I'm, I've been in that role for just over a year now. Um, transitioned previously, uh, as I was uh, starting the Darden Executive MBA program, I was in the United States Navy, uh, finishing up a 20-year career out of the Pentagon. And uh, used Darden as kind of a springboard into what my next career was going to be. Um, Finishing Darden, was at Amazon for a stint, and then was at HCA Healthcare System. And actually, both of both of those experiences, along with the Navy experience, um, led to the current role um, where I've got a do a lot with partnerships with healthcare systems. And then also, we've got 260 plus uh, partner agencies throughout the network and are part of a Food Bank of the Future initiative where we're looking to use data analytics to help address food insecurity. So. Uh, that's a little bit about myself and um, where I've been since starting. Thank you, David. Megan, can I come to you next? Sure. So I uh, just hit my five-year reunion, uh, and Sean and I were in the same class together, together at Darden, so it's great to see him here. Um, I went back to business school as a climber, and I came out as a total switcher. Um, is that what we call that, Brett? I think I'm getting the name wrong, but I changed completely. So. Um, Brett and I probably had our first conversation 2017, no, I'm sorry, 2015. 
Probably, um, because I started in August of 16, and I remember I was exploring business schools, and I thought, there's no way I'll ever get in the Darden. Um, and I had a conversation with Brett, and I thought, oh my gosh, this guy's amazing. And turns out everybody at Darden is equally as amazing as Brett, um, including your classmates, which is um, true, um, believe it or not. Um, so I came in as the chief of staff to the CFO at Under Armour when I first joined Darden uh, in August of 16. Um, I had one little boy at the time, and by the time I came out of the program, I had a second little boy. Um, so working full-time, school full-time, babies full-time, the good news is, is I was surrounded by another of um, a number of other women. I remember I showed up to our first on-grounds, and my husband and I had had this conversation before I went of like, do you think we'll have another baby? Like, maybe we can time it up towards the end. Um, and a woman who would become one of my very best friends showed up to the first on grounds, 37 weeks pregnant with her second baby. And I went, Oh, you're doing this. Okay. So we did it. Um, and we called ourselves the Mambas, the mom MBAs. Um, and it was a phenomenal group um, of women. My boys are now five and eight um, and they are at home. I'm still at the office. Um, but shortly after graduating from Darden in May of 18, I transitioned to T. Rowe Price, um, which is an asset manager publicly traded about $1.3 trillion in assets under management here in Baltimore, Maryland. Um, networked my way in through our CFO who is also a Darden alum. Um, I knew nothing about our industry at the time other than what I'd learned in finance class and business school, um, but came in and ended up leading investor relations for our firm uh, for a number of years, dealing with all of our stockholders, telling our story to the street, um, and changed over about a year and a half ago to a role uh, supporting our chief, mar our, our chief marketing officer. So um, I lead all uh, business and strategy for our global marketing organization around the world, um, which has about 350 associates and making sure that we're getting the right level of investment, we're measuring it in the right way, um, and that we're really on our front foot from a brand and marketing perspective. So total change um, from where it started, but could not have done it without Darden. Thank you, Megan. And, and for those of you who are wondering about some of the terminology at Climber, this is some of the language that we use when we talk with students about their career goals. Everybody has their own path, to, to be clear, but we do use some of this language to help at least categorize students' aspirations. So a climber would mean you're a student who wants to move up within their existing company. A switcher is a student who wants to move out of their existing organization, change function and or industry. And uh, Megan also mentioned on-grounds residency. So you may know uh, in the executive MBA program, structures really around once a month weekend residencies with online classes, typically a couple nights per week. The weekend residencies, when you get into the program, they're called on-grounds residencies. Um, so one weekend per month, uh, these days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, up here in, in the D.C. area. Um, so, all right, Sean, can I come to you next from one 2018 class member to, to another? Sure. Thank you. Thank you, Brett. And yeah, it's interesting because Megan mentioned, uh, I was counting the years uh, today and I was like, wait a second, it's not, it's not five years. Uh, we just had our five-year reunion. It's actually seven years since, you know, I think I first met Brett and the, uh, some of the other admin staff at Darden. I was going through the application process. Um, so I also came to Darden as a climber. Um, my background is in engineering. I have a math, excuse me, my bachelor's through my doctorate are all in engineering. But when I got to Darden, I went um, there to, really because I had switched from engineering. I did engineering for about five years. 
And after the, the doctorate experience, um, I was recruited by Deloitte Consulting and started consulting with Deloitte and um, wanted to get that uh, MBA experience so that I could get some of the dimensions, um, business dimensions that I thought a consultant should have, um, which is not taught in the engineering schools, right? So like finance, economics, accounting, et cetera. So um, that's, and plus Deloitte was willing to pay for uh, the Gemba program at the time. So that was also a, a big plus. Um, so when I got to Darden, um, I ended up actually staying in consulting, but going to a startup. Um, and the startup was founded by two clients of mine that I had at Deloitte. Um, they started a small uh, company. It was like a veteran-owned um I forget the acronym, but anyway, it's a veteran-owned company and they want to grow it. So I, I joined them on the strategy side. I was able to kind of um, help them grow using some of the concepts that I was learning actually in the classroom at Darden at the time. After Darden, that experience, uh, I was recruited by Booz Allen to go into their corporate strategy uh, group. Um, those of you, of you who are familiar with Booz Allen, say Fortune 500 company, um, 15 billion, I can't remember the, the numbers, but anyways, you know, billions of dollars of, uh, of, of revenue and, you know, market capitalization, et cetera. Um, you know, pretty big company. And I think last, at last check, they were close to 30,000 employees and growing. Um, so the task that I had being a Gemba, which made a lot of sense, was to go and help them build their uh, international practice. So I joined Booz Allen to actually help them with market entry strategy around the Middle East and North Africa and Southeast Asia. Um, and I did that for a couple of years post uh, my Gemba program. So it was a fantastic experience um, being on the side of the house in the corporate finance uh, segment. And then eventually I moved back towards uh, client, the client side of the, of, of the house where I am today um, due to because there was a a uh, position that was a promotable position available. And they said, hey, if you come to this, you know, promote you in the, the, in the conversation. So I went and did that and, you know, jumped around a little bit. So that's where I am now. Um, but just to give you a little bit more flavor onto my career, I actually, I tend to describe it as having one major and two minors. So that's my, my major is consulting. I've been, after engineering, I went to consulting with Deloitte in Manhattan um, for four years and then two years at this at the startup. And then I've been at Who's Alan Nafla, I think four or five years. And um, the, so, you know, I'm, I'm still very much in a consultant. That's my major. My two minors are, um, I'm still a army reservist. Um, I'm, I'm an engineering officer uh, for the army engineers. I actually just came out of a, was teaching at these, at the, um, I was going to say this, the schoolhouse, which is the uh, engineering school in, in Fort, um, um, Leonard Wood in Missouri. So I would go there once a month to teach uh, the military, the MDMP process or military decision-making portion of that program. Um, just finished that up. I'm going back to the headquarters, Army Corps of Engineer headquarters um, as a 04 position. And then I also teach as an adjunct professor, which is one of the reasons why I kept, I kept logging in and out because I kept picking up my, my, my professor name, if you will. I was trying to fix it. But anyway, um, I teach at uh, George Mason as a adjunct professor in their MBA program. I teach actually corporate finance. Um, one thing I'll say about that is the corporate finance 
teaching that I've done um, really came out of my experience at Darden, where I was the CEO of the Sabre Fund, which is one of the six funds that Darden has uh, in the capital um, capital management program. So uh, it was and it was not a class; it was like external to the to the actual program, uh, headed by the professor of uh, finance at the time, Bob Conroy. But fantastic experience, and it led me to being able to do that kind of work. So that's me in a nutshell. Thanks, John. Do you are you? Full case method in your corporate finance class. <laughs> there's only a few. There's only a few big case schools. Uh, the other schools don't really do it. But I, I do try to implement some of the Socratic uh, methodologies, definitely, um, in, in my teaching. Yeah. All right. For those of you who are just learning about Darden, Darden is a case method school. So when these folks had finance, they learned it through case discussion. So um, some of our alums take that out into the world when they end up teaching. Uh, if they do find themselves in the classroom. All right, Skip, I want to come to you next. I think people are really going to have to guess who you work for. So we'll <laughs> wait for the big reveal. Yeah, Chipotle. Nah, I'm just kidding. Now, uh, Skip Calvert, class of uh, 2019 with David over here and uh, work at Five Guys. Um, I came in as a climber, which sounds like what as well. Um, at the time, I worked for Five Guys, but as a project manager uh, for construction, so new new builds, remodels, working with franchisees kind of on the consultant side. Um, had a blast doing it, but um, my background before that was the Navy. So also similar to David, and uh, I do have to say, go Navy, beat Army. But uh, that's, that's for you, Sean. But uh, so I was a pilot for 11 years. So doing that transition is, is uh, can be uh, more daunting uh, than it's made out to be. And so I was from Alexandria, from Virginia, and so moved back here and I was trying to figure out what to do. And I didn't want to become a pilot uh, like a lot of my peers. Um, and so I got in through networking into Five Guys. And I grew up going to Five Guys in high school after football games uh, at their course store down in, in Old Town. So I had a connection with the company that way, but started with project management. But I really wanted to kind of branch out and get that business experience, which is why I ended up, uh, you know, applying to Darden and going and it was obviously phenomenal. And, and you can hear all the great things that all these people are doing on the, on this call. But, um, so I came in as a climber and I actually stayed a climber. So, you know, seven years later, I'm still at five guys. I'm now vice president of company operations. So I worked directly for the CEO overseeing 10 of the major departments throughout the world. We're at 1700 plus stores and $3.6 billion of sales. So we're, uh, it's pretty amazing for a burger and fried place to do that. But um, I 100% for me, like Darden, not only gave me that business background, which you don't get from the military, um, but it also opened doors inside the company. So uh, I, was, I think I was one of the few people in our in our cohort that was actually a climber and stayed a climber. So uh, there you go. But uh, yeah, really enjoyed it. And Darden's awesome. Thank you, Skip. And for those of you who are wondering about why some of these climbers become switchers, it's a variety of things. But I think also one of the big factors is people just realize all the opportunities that are out there for someone with an MBA. And you're around, you know, 130 or so people who are asking questions about where they'd like to go and do and see and all these things. And you're meeting people who have different kinds of jobs and roles and networking a lot. And next thing you know, um, maybe you want to try something different. Maybe you want to go have this conversation with somebody else. Maybe you want to apply uh, for something that's outside of your organization. So we always tell students that you're really kind of more in an explorer category as you go through the program. You might be thinking that you're a climber, but maybe you're open to the right opportunity, maybe switching. Maybe you have an entrepreneurial interest. Maybe you're testing the water in a few different directions. 
that's the nice thing. You have 21 months in the program as an executive MBA student to kind of ask these questions, to have career support and resources around you and have an incredible group of people uh, in, in your classmates uh, who are all asking the same questions of themselves. It's not that easy to find 130 people who are going through a similar kind of experience out in the world. So, all right, Emma, do, do we still have your plus one or is, is plus you, you retired for plus two? Plus, plus, two. plus three, if you count Bluey, shout out to all the parents of small children. Um, hey, it's so nice to meet everyone. Thanks for accommodating uh, having the little ones in the background. I think it's a good representation of um, how Darden is supportive of balancing home life with uh, schoolwork and work. So. Uh, I came to Darden in 2018. I had been uh, at Booz Allen in a uh, corporate strategy-esque role, but in their strategic innovation group, working on their AI and ML strategy. And the reason I decided to come to Darden was I had a, my original start in DC was in counterterrorism, so which was a pretty cool gig. I spent a couple years traveling all around the world. Uh, focused on Eurasia. I was in Kazakhstan and Germany. Uh, so it was an awesome job, but I wanted to get into the private sector. And I kind of um, forced my way into some corporate strategy roles first at Gartner, which is a technology and consulting firm, um, and then later at Booz. But I found myself in uh, a few, the convergence of a few male-dominated industries, lacking a lexicon for some of the business terminology and foundational finance and accounting knowledge. And um, I felt like there was a certain foundation that I was lacking to participate competently in conversations. And so that's why I came to DART. Uh, interestingly, you know, that I, certainly the program delivered on having that background. Um, and I can talk a little bit about how that contributed to my current role. But I think I probably ended up gaining more from some of the leadership development work. And that's been more impactful across the past few years for me since I've graduated. Um, on departing Darden, which I graduated in May of 2020, so high pandemic, I delivered my first kid that same month. So Charlie's in the background watching Bluey. I've since had another kid. So I spent my um, second year at Darden pregnant, which was still, it's still fun for those of you <laughs> who are wondering. Um, but immediately after, I took a job at a um, DC-founded technology company backed by um, venture capital that was in the process of going public via SPAC. And in my interview with the CFO, he had gone to Darden. So it was like instant credibility. <laughs> I feel like, I don't know if this is a good thing, but I don't know that I was vetted that hard once he's like, oh, you went to Darden. I graduated, you know, in the 90s. So um, I did that for about a year. It was pretty grueling being with a company that did 12 acquisitions in 12 months. Um, and I was actually approached by a boutique M&A and strategy firm that's based in the D.C. area um, and works primarily for companies like Booz Allen, Northrop Grumman, um, providing them strategy consulting work. And I've been doing that for the past year. Absolutely love it. Just the best job. And I've been so benefited in this role by having the credibility of a, a Darden MBA just to get into the door so that folks know like this person understands <laughs> the the material in which we're working, but then also just like financial modeling, accounting, all of those um, basics that I got from the program have been really important. So it's been a very good experience and definitely contributed to getting me into what I consider now to be like the dream job. Don't want to switch. Really enjoy it. Thank you, Emma. All right, Megan, I'm going to come to you with this next question. And uh, I always find this, the answers to this question interesting. 
Uh, for you, what was the most surprising thing about your your Darden experience? Does something stand out when you when you think about that question? The most surprising thing to be to me about the Darden experience was that I served just as much of a purpose in that class as all of my classmates did. And I remember, and I said it in my intro, like I never in a million years thought I would get in. I was not a great undergrad student. I came in with a decent amount of business experience, but I was a little terrified of school because of the student that I'd been an undergrad. And I came in and I gave it everything. And it turned out that you get out what you put in and that I would say almost our entire class had that same level of imposter syndrome. And every single one of us was like, for whatever reason, right, thought that they couldn't do it or didn't belong and kind of struggled with that role in coming in. And we were so much better off because of it. The whole Darden experience was like nothing I ever could have possibly imagined. I went in, like I said, to get a promotion. Um, I came out with unbelievable memories, lifelong friends, completely changed perspectives, um, and a true sense of belonging, both in kind of my professional role and within my class. So that was more than just one thing, Brett, but very special. Yeah, that, that's great. And I mean, certainly resonates. I mean, I think for for us on the admissions end, that, you know, if we met somebody in the the program. We know that you can do the work. We know that you can be successful. But I think it can sometimes take a while for students to feel like, okay, I'm, I'm supposed to, to be here because you, you are a talented person, you're a star in your organization, and you walk into a room on the first day of class and you're surrounded by people who are all stars in their organization. And some people know more about certain things than other other people. And so you got to kind of go through that. But at, people find find their footing. It typically takes probably about couple quarters or so, four months, six months or so for people to kind of feel settled in the, in the program. That, that's been my experience. Does that resonate with you, Megan? It does. And I mean, just the backgrounds are so different and unique. Like you heard on some of these intros, the military backgrounds and the perspectives and across industries. And I came from a company with a culture in a sea of sameness where you hired people who were just like you. And if you didn't, they didn't fit. And suddenly I was like this fish out of water in Darden because culturally it was so different from my corporate culture where all of a sudden nobody was exactly like me and nobody was exactly like one another. And I would come to learn that that was really kind of the point, um, which was great. Shawna, uh, same question for you. Something that was surprising to you about your MBA experience? Yeah, so I would say uh, the first thing is how much bigger my my Darden degree is than my my PhD. Um, but anyway, no. Um, the 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 I think um, most surprising to me was I think it was Donald Rumsfeld when he was the Secretary of Defense. If those who are my age uh, maybe remembers this um, leading up to the invasion of Iraq, I believe it was like you know there are known knowns known unknowns and unknown unknowns. And I, I knew that I did, I did not know economics, finance, and accounting, right? But there was so much unknown unknowns, like things that I did not know that I did not know, even coming from uh, working on, you know, with some Wall Street banks prior to going to business school. Uh, JP Morgan Chase was one of my clients when I was um, working for an engineering firm um, and they, but Bear Stearns and we had to go in and do all bunch of stuff 
283 Madison Avenue, for those who are familiar, um, you know, my military experience being all over the world, that kind of thing, et cetera, et cetera. Um, there were still things that I did not know that I did not know. And it wasn't until I got into business school and Darden took me all around the world, South Africa, China, India, Germany, France, um, as well as Roslyn and, and Charlottesville, and literally um, impounded um, and impressed upon me so many things that I just did not have any idea or concept of. Um, I think it's a little bit nebulous and difficult to, to explain to somebody who has not been through the program or a program like this, um, but you know, the most surprising thing to me was how much I learned uh, even though I already thought I knew everything going in, right? So um, I, I will say that. I'll leave it there. Thank you, Sean. And, and there's so much breadth to the curriculum, right? For those of you, again, who's just sort of learning about the program, everybody starts with the core. And the core runs the gamut from accounting and finance. And we get a lot of questions about this class, but you also have leading organizations and leadership communications. You have business ethics. And so you're going to go through all of that. And then you have an elective period where point in the program students take 12 electives so just the sheer breadth and exposure that you get so so much broader than what you encounter on a day-to-day -day basis or likely or you've likely seen over the course of, of your career so all right skip something that was surprising to you about about your mba experience how much fun it was <laughs> uh and i would say how much work it was so it's, it's kind of double-edged sword so you know, everybody will, everybody I think on this call and anybody you talk to, they're going to tell you Darden's a lot of work. It's not a, a rubber stamp and you get the diploma, you know, two years later and hanging on your wall. Uh, it's a lot of work. Um, so that was a little bit surprising, but also, man, it was so much fun. You know, you've got to have that balance. Um, so even the weekends in Roslyn, uh, in Roslyn were, uh, you know, with your learning team studying Friday nights, you know, till late, and then you got classes all day Saturday, and they, they may have changed a little bit of the structure from when we went through. Uh, but that Saturday night, I remember, you know, we, they, we, everybody would go out to dinners together, and you really got to know people. And, and to Megan's point, there are so many interesting people in your class, like just getting to have conversations with them is a growing and a learning experience. So that was uh, super surprising. And then if you're, you know, doing Gemba or you go on the world trip, now you're having that amazing experience in, you know, a country like China. And that's where we, we did Shanghai and Beijing. And those are memories I'll have for the rest of my life. Um, and uh, yeah, so it was just, it was just an overall very surprising, a lot of work, but a lot of fun. Yeah. For those of you who are curious about the global portion of the program at this point, uh, we're about to announce the locations for the class that starts this August, the Executive MBA class of 2025. There are going to be 10 potential global residency locations, and we'll travel to all of them if there's sufficient demand. Uh, I mentioned uh, to a couple of people when we were getting warmed up uh, for the session that we actually have groups of students right now in Australia and South Korea um, on, on a global residency. So uh, the pictures look pretty incredible. Uh, they're out there on LinkedIn. If you follow Lottie Carr or some of our students who might be on that trip, they're having, they're having a good time. Uh, yes, you, you go and meet business leaders and you visit businesses and you do all these kinds of things, but you also have downtime to explore explore the location too. So, um, Emma, can I come to you next? Uh, something that was surprising to you about, about your MBA experience? That was me, right? Not David. Yeah, uh, yeah. My, you, Emma. my daughter yeah. wants to contribute. Um, the thing that really surprised me most was that um, I kind of probably, like, I, I didn't, 
realize the extent to which Darden really differentiates on leadership development. And so I had come really focused on all of these places that I felt insecurity around my own skill set and thinking I was pretty good in terms of like managing and engaging with other people. And I just learned so much that like sticks with me every single day. Um, one of the big things was uh, as a leader, being more of an active listener than a person who's sort of like just thinks that you're setting the direction. So in so many different contexts from product development to setting corporate strategy to um, winning over clients in my current role who are skeptical of consultants. It's been about asking questions and not um, the word I use is like peacocking or trying to show how smart I am, but being humble and coming with an open and curious mind. Um, that has stuck with me from Darden in a much more lasting way than any of the other course material, all of which has been important. But honestly, as the point that you are at as an EMBA, probably quickly, you're, you might not be the person modeling. You might be the person leading others and doing that. So that was a pleasant surprise. You know, one of the things that's interesting uh, to me when you talk with the faculty about the, the case method, we actually recently just had a, a podcast conversation with a few faculty members talking about learning through the case method and you know, what participation looks like and all these kinds of questions that students oftentimes ask. One of the things they really emphasized in that conversation was the importance of listening in the case method. And they actually think active listening, engaged listening, that's equally important to talking. I think a lot of people focus on the talking part, but being able to sort of listen and hear what your classmates are, are saying, that's a that's a key, key skill. All right, David, can I come to you next? Most surprising thing about, about your Darden experience? Sure thing. Um, well, one, I would like to say that Everyone there pretty much was hitting everything I was looking to talk about um, and, and can't echo that enough that everything that they said is, is spot on with what my experience was and, and what was surprising. But I'll just emphasize a little bit about probably what Skip touched on a little bit and what Sean did, which is, A, it's a lot of work, um, but B, you come out with a ton of confidence and understanding. And I think when I came into it, I was thinking executive MBA program, like you know, I was at this place where folks were doing spreadsheets, you know, for me and folks were putting presentations together, you know, briefs together for me. And when I got in, it, it was a surprise that like, no, 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 you've got to model this out and there's no one there to do it. You've got to learn the modeling and you've got to dig into Excel and you've got to, um, you know, really kind of put your nose to the grindstone and, and figure this out. But with that said, it really forces you to understand the material and it gives you that sense of confidence. And it also is a cohort and a team. You start learning how to leverage your classmates and how to kind of work together to get through it. Because I'll tell you that first uh, quarter was kind of a, a fire hose, um, kind of a shotgun approach where you just, you're like, what did I sign myself up for? But after you get through that, that piece of figuring out and realizing what it is uh, that you're going to be challenged on and how you're going to work together to get through it. Uh, you really start to get in your flow. And by the end, you know, it all, they'll say it like there's a process and it's all, it all plays out at the end. And you come out just with this understanding of, I wouldn't say I came out with an a in-depth understanding of, of a specific thing, but I came out really kind of understanding this is kind of how the world works. And I can be as, I think it was uh, Megan said, you're conversational and you're confident as you're going into meetings and there really are very few things I've come across since I've finished Darden that 
I didn't have a good strong foundation on and could be very uh, um, both conversational and also add some pretty good value in whatever conversation kind of tends to come up. Thank you, David. And I appreciate your mentioning the, the first quarter. And, and for folks who were wondering, you move through this, this program in two month quarters. So every couple of months you're getting new classes. So in quarter one, uh, the class of 2025, the class that starts this August, they're going to take decision analysis, global economies and markets, the first half of both of those courses, as well as leading organizations. And for many of our students, they don't have a lot of background in things like decision analysis or economics. And so you're learning a lot of new stuff in, in that quarter. And oh, by the way, figuring out how to be a working professional student and, and do work and life and school together. And so you're trying to also figure out the schedule and you're trying things. It's not all working and, it, you know, it, it's a process. So you can kind of weather that, get through that, recognize like quarter one, you're going to be better at, by the time you get to quarter two, quarter three. Um, but the first quarter, it, do, it does feel like a lot because it's quite a shock to the system because all of a sudden you've gone from like living your life out in the world to now you've added school to it and you got to figure out how to, how to do all that. And it's been mentioned, Darden's going to ask a lot of you in a classroom. Uh, Skip, I have to believe that when like the hard part of it is also the fact that you uh, have to be prepared for class. Like you can't just show up. Do you want to offer any any, any thoughts about that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I can tell you when you're not prepared is when you're going to get cold called. So and then everybody's going to know you're you're not prepared. So uh, the cold call was like a whole new experience to me. Um, and uh, it is it is phenomenal, but it keeps everybody kind of on the edge of their seat, engaged. And you do have to be prepared. Uh, but the one thing I do want to really say is like, you can't do it all by yourself. Like you have to use your learning team. And that's a strength. And the, I, I assume they still do it, Brett. But, you know, the, the learning teams for the first couple of quarters, they're, they're built and they're structured. And they're, it's not like you go around and pick people. It's, it's done by, uh, you know, the administrative uh, people. And they do a phenomenal job of crafting those learning teams where people are pulling in different strengths. Um, and our learning team, uh, phenomenal, still very close friends. And we stay together all through the, the two years where some other learning teams split up and changes stuff like that. But I think understand that you, you can't read everything. You can't prepare every case in the absolute detail that you need to. You need to rely on team members to help. And, and on the flip side, they need to rely on you too. So that was another thing. You can't just be there, uh, you know, as, uh, thinking you can do it all and read it all because bouncing job, life, babies, everything, it's, it's not sustainable. So you have to kind of learn that skill of relying on others. Uh, and I think that's what they, they do intentionally and it, it works out. So. Yeah, we had a learning team on the podcast uh, a few months ago, a uh, learning team from our most recent graduating class. And they said within a couple of weeks, they realized very quickly that they weren't going to be able to do it all by themselves. Like it, they, they try, everybody tries. And then you realize, no, 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 that's not going to work. And you have to really lean on your learning team. And so if you're curious about that dynamic, we announced these teams typically a couple of weeks prior to the start of school. And so give you a chance to meet each other uh, before you get started with the first week of school, which is called Leadership Residency 1, LR1 down, down in Charlottesville. Um, all right. So, Sean, I'm going to come to you with this next question. Um, how do you feel like your Darden experience helps you, you know, in the work that you're doing now? Um, you, you've been out for a few years, it's five years since you were at Darden. Yeah, sure. So I think, um, again, I, my, with my my major and, and two minors, um, I think in every dimension of my work, it, 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 it shows up 
uh, whether it's doing um, leveraging the way Darden taught queuing theory, which I learned as a PhD student in engineering, um, but the way I learned it was not a way that you could apply it. Um, but the way Darden did it in operations management is something that I apply quite often. As a matter of fact, I, I, I use it to justify um, getting additional staffing on a team. And if those of you who lead teams and things of that nature, you know how sometimes you have to make an argument like, hey, um, you know, we need more people. Why do you need more people? You have enough people, right? This kind of thing. So, um, so I, I use some of these concepts all the time. I, I would say um, also things like, um, obviously, I teach corporate finance at the MBA level at uh, George Mason, but I also um, hold uh, similar positions at Maryland and, and, and Rice uh, universities um, in their uh, corporate finance MBA programs. And I, I leverage what I learned at Darden, in their corporate finance uh, class all the time. And I do try to introduce more um, cases into those, into those classes. Um, uh, you know, and I, I would say there's a memo, there's a memo at, at, in my reserve capacity. I can, I can think of the top of my head as a memo I wrote to, uh, I was on the staff of a commanding general. Um, and um, I was actually one of the headquarters commanders for those who are familiar. And I was trying to, again, uh, justify, you know, getting additional staff and et cetera. But I used some of the Darden concepts to justify like, you know, hey, we need more people. People don't get burnt out. I have, you know, my staff is partially civilian, partially military, blah, 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 the mix. Um, so there's also a lot of the, a lot of the kind of um, leading people in organizational theory type of uh, concepts that I got out of Darden that I apply. I think to my personal life more so than to anything else. I mean, as a, as a, as a, as a person who is becoming um, one of the elders in the, in the family, if you will, like, you know, if you think of your extended family and, you know, cousins and, and, and grandmothers and aunts and uncles, and you're becoming, and I'm becoming one of those older people at this point. And there's a lot of politics, you know, family dynamics that needs to be navigated. And I, and I tend to lean on some of the things I learned from Darden to, 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 to organize and people and, and, and make sure that people um, get the right messaging and things of that nature. Um, you know, uh, just, just to add to that, one of the experiences I had with, with Darden was I was, I was the CEO of the Sabre Fund. I think I mentioned this before. Um, as a matter of fact, if you, if you Google Sabre Fund CEO 2018, I think my name will still pop up um, there. And I leveraged that, uh, <laughs> that experience to actually create a family fund. Um, and I, to this day, uh, call Spence Capital and it's registered in Virginia, it's public information. And to this day, um, what, what, what I used that for was to um, uh, house family assets, you know, so you think about assets that are being passed down generation to generation. And, um, and organize who, you know, uh, ownership, decision, governance, this whole, this whole thing to get rid of some of the bad blood that could come when somebody passes away and people don't get what they think they should get. This whole thing, right? So I leveraged, literally leveraged the policy that I um, helped to write at Darden to do that. Um, and, a, and, a, and a key example of how this like literally impacted my life was um, my father was diagnosed with cancer um, about eight, seven, eight years ago at this point. He died about four years ago. 
Um, but because of my Darden experience and what we had in place from that structure, there was no quote unquote fallout uh, in terms of family assets. It's all been protected and stored and transitioned um, appropriately. So again, I think, you know, there are things, again, unknown, unknown, right? There's things that I learned from the program um, that I don't think I would have known that I would have learned unless I, unless I went. Thank you, Sean. Uh, so uh, all, all kinds of uh, takeaways from, from your time at, at Darden. Skip, how about, how about you? How are you still using your Darden experience? Uh, I'd say uh, pretty much every day. I mean, it's, it's, I think uh, everybody's touched on it, but going into meetings and actually have that background where you, you, you know, I'm not the expert accountant for any of these meetings, but I'm able to follow along and know exactly what they're talking about and ask the right questions. And that's something that uh, 100% I learned at Darden, especially because my background was very different, not in business. Uh, so I'd say day to day, use it all the time. Um, but which I kind of expected and, and why I wanted to go to Darden. Uh, but I think it was, it was Megan or Emma who touched on, uh, the leadership, um, kind of managerial classes that we do. Like that, that on a, I, I didn't really expect to take away that much, but those classes, just how to manage teams, uh, motivate people, organize stuff, clear communication. Um, that was probably, uh, what I used even more, uh, you know, and, and especially in my current role trying to herd cats. Um, so a lot of those, those leadership classes were, were fantastic. And, and that was kind of unexpected uh, for me going in. Cause I was just like, Oh, I'm going to learn, you know, finance, uh, investing, you know, stuff like that. But in the end, it was a lot of the human element, which turns out, you know, which is why Darden is a great management school. Yeah, I think that's always one of the surprising things that when we talk to prospective students, really focused on maybe the more technical end of the curriculum. And, and it's understandable. A lot of our students are coming because they don't have background in things like accounting or finance or formal background, I should say. Uh, but the amount of like self-discovery, self-understanding that comes through the program, you get a lot of space and time to ask these questions. And of course, you're surrounded in a room full of people uh, who are very talented and you very quickly realize, like, what do you add to this conversation? What's your what's What's your particular value value here? And so um, I think that's also one of the profound things for students. So Emma, um, how do you how do you use your? You mentioned already the sort of leadership uh, piece. But I want to give you a little bit more time, a little space to talk about how you draw on your Darden experience. One of the things that also sticks with me from that is sort of having comfort with not being completely deep on everything that you could potentially be deep on. You know, not having um, every single data or fact uh, piece of information and knowledge at your fingertips and still feeling comfortable speaking on an issue based on um, confidence and conviction and your in in the knowledge that you do have that's one of the things that's been really helpful and also just figuring out um, based on the available sorry I hope you guys can't hear the revolt attack <laughs> But um, also knowing like what to focus on, you know, saying, hey, if I have 100 pages of material that I'm getting from a client, what is actually the part of that, you know, which is the financial statement that I need to look at? What are the numbers? What are the metrics that I can derive that tell me what actually is important in this particular client situation? So um, the ability to sift through information and then also gaining comfort and knowing that you don't need to be perfect to know everything to have um, good instincts that was really helpful and sticks with me today. 
Thank you, Emma. And um, I guess an interesting point, you know, talk with faculty about how prepared they expect students to be for class. Uh, they don't expect people to be 100% prepared, like know everything about everything. Probably say something like 60, 70%. You had a good idea what's going on in the case. You come, uh, you have a perspective to offer, you have some ideas about what's going on, but you still have questions. That's to be expected. I think getting comfortable with that um, is a big challenge psychologically for, for students, recognizing that you can't be 100% in every phase of your life all the time as you're going through this program. It's a, a very talented, high achieving group of people. And so to kind of let go of some stuff, realize what's most important in any given week, that's a that's a, it's important work for the program. It's good for your good for you as you go through this, but it's not the easiest of processes uh, to work work through. So, all right, David, come come to you. Sure, I'm going to uh, hit something a little different, and and some of the impact that Darden's had on on my career uh, writ large is the network. Um, and again, as as we were going through, they said, you know, Darden is very big into the the network, and since I have uh, transition from the Navy and, and part of the transition from the Navy was a lot of exploratory phone calls, a lot of um, informational meetings. And to a, to a T, there has not been one Darden connection that I have not been able to reach out to, um, even on a, a cold email, but usually with some sort of introduction where someone's not taking the time to you know, sit down with me for a half hour or a half hour or an hour over coffee or a phone call or a meeting. And really, one, share some insights, but two, follow it up with other connections. And that has been uh, transformational as I've kind of uh, grown my network outside of the military. Um, and then additionally, I'd just like to also emphasize that I've really taken uh, advantage of the post-graduation executive coaching, um, that they've got some resources that are available that are, are um, some are you pay for if you're getting executive coaching in your role. But if you're transitioning, they do offer, or at least, at least for our class, they've got uh, free um, resources with executive coaches to help you transition. And so everything from reviewing resumes to preparing for interviews to really doing that soul searching of, is this the right job or where exactly do you want to look and how do you prepare for it? And I'm talking like the coach that I used for the transition worked with me off and on for about a year. And so that was uh, something that came post-graduation that I've uh, really leveraged. And it's, it was really been transformational and helped me get to where I am today. I appreciate the shout out for alumni career services. Uh, everybody has access to alumni career services post-graduation. It's complimentary uh, for students. Uh, we see them here in Roslyn. They do in-person meetings. They do virtual meetings. They travel around uh, the country. So the career support doesn't end once you graduate from the program. You have access to, to those folks too. Uh, all right, Megan, how about for you? Um, how do you draw on your Darden experience? First of all, David, I'm so glad you brought up Alumni Career Services because I said at the top how I networked my way into T-Row, which I came from Under Armour, and then before that, the NFL. So I did, when I say an industry switch, I mean an industry switch, um, which was enabled really by my Darden connection. But I completely forgot about the pivotal role that Jen Coleman um, from Alumni Career Services played in helping me through all of that. So thank you for that. And I echo all of your comments. Um, not too much new to add on top of what everyone's already said. I went into Darden as an individual contributor. I now lead a team of uh, over 20 um, around the world. And so I hadn't led people before. And so really kind of having those soft skills and being able to leverage those experiences um, 
was really, really beneficial. And I think too, just the confidence, the confidence of kind of going from being in the meeting and sort of posturing like, yeah, I know what the financial model is to like, no, really, I know what the financial model is and this is what it says and this is why it impacts margins or whatever it may be. Um, And just really believing in yourself. I mean, if you would have told me, and in fact, when I still tell people that at 30, I worked full-time in the CFO's office at Under Armour, I had a second baby and I went to business school at Darden all at the same time, people are like, whoa, And so you sort of take a minute back and you're like, yeah, no, I did that. Um, And it's a really good confidence boost to say, like, I did that. I can do anything. Um, And people truly see it that way, which is awesome. I love love that point. I think for all of our students, it expands like their own understanding of their potential. You do do something that's as challenging as this, that you feel like you can almost do, do anything afterwards. So. All right. Uh, this is the advice portion of the of the webinar as we wrap wrap up here. Skip, I wonder if there's a piece of advice you would share with with our t- attendees, something you would like for them to think about as they go forth on their own MBA journeys. Yeah, sure. Uh, I, I touched on it earlier, but I think for me it was it was truly pivotal and and uh, walked away with very close friends, lifelong friends. Is uh, you know rely on your learning team. You know contribute, have those conversations. Um, really kind of, you know, I, I think Brad or, uh, said earlier, you're never going to know every case a hundred percent. So just understanding and being willing to give up that you can't control that and you need to just step back and rely on others and kind of work as a team. I think that was the, the best advice I, I could give. Yeah. Thank you, Skip. And got a question here in the Q and A of like, are you expected to maybe have a read a case even before you know before you start school? Like for the first day of class, will you have a case discussion? And the answer is yes. Uh, that's typically the case here that you will have a case discussion, and you may never have read a case before, and now you're going to go to this class and do it. But keep in mind, this is an iterative process. I think it was Emma who had shared like how quickly you can unpack information and develop a perspective on something that's been handed to you and figure out what's most important. The reason why alums can do that and people in this program can do that is because they've had this practice over and over again, reading cases and kind of sharpening uh, their approach to how they take on new information and figure out what's most important and have a perspective on it. So there's something you get better at. But yes, you get thrown right into it. Yes, you might have a case to prepare for the first, uh, first day of class. All right, Emma, piece of advice uh, for our attendees here. Don't doubt your ability to do it. Sometimes it might look like how I look right now with a lot of background noise and distractions and all kinds of everything happening in the background. But it took me a really long time to opt in after I'd gotten into Darden to going because I just doubted whether I could afford it, whether I could make the time, whether I deserve to make the time. And I'd say if you have conviction that you think it's going to be beneficial for you, um, try to have the confidence to invest in yourself and um, be accepting of yourself in the process and all of the the chaos that it means, what it means for having conversations. I mean, some of the benefit as much as the lessons that you get from um, the, the coursework, it's like having a conversation with an employer about whether they're ready to invest in you and support you in like taking time to participate in this program, having conversations with loved ones about the similar issues. It all prepares you, I think, for that next phase of life um, as a leader, both at work, but also a leader in all facets of your life. So my advice is, you know, don't be afraid to dive into the chaos, if it's something that you think is going to benefit you and your, your family and your community. 
Thank you, Emma. All right, David, piece of advice? Yeah, I would say that um, for those with families and or significant others, um, to really kind of bring them into the fold early. Uh, and I found that setting some boundaries and setting some some clear schedules was really helpful. Um, there's a lot you can, you could really spend most of your time, your free time, free time doing schoolwork and, and you could learn a lot and, and put it in there. Um, my wife and I set something up. I've got three kids, had three kids going through the program um, where Saturday was, was no school day. So I had to figure out a way to get my work done Monday through Friday. And then I had Saturday afternoon, but basically Saturday through Sunday morning, I was dad and husband. Um, and that was kind of the contract we had and we stuck to it for the most part. And it was really uh, effective because um, there's no question that this is going to impact you. You've probably got a full life, especially if you've got a family or a significant other. Um, and you're really not removing anything from your plate. So you've got to figure out how to make sure that you are investing in the relationships as well. Yeah, we were at graduation not so long ago in, in May. And that's one of the great days in any school, Darden included. And um, just to see all the families there, how excited kids and wives and husbands and parents and everybody. It's like it's a group uh, event because you know, everybody has been supporting the student along the way. So everybody's kind of earning the MBA uh, together. It's uh, it's a wonderful thing to see. So, all right, Megan, um, piece of advice for our attendees. Yeah, um, you're never ready. <laughs> it's never the right time. Um, I hear so many people say that about big things in their lives, marriage, kids, business school. I don't know. I'm not ready. You're never ready. Um, and it is far and away one of the best decisions and best things I have ever done in my life. Um, and I don't know a Darden alum who would not say the same exact thing. Um, be ready for the commitment. I saw some questions in the Q&A kind of around some of the cases. Go sit in on a class. Go to Roslyn. Go to Charlottesville. Go visit. You're welcome to do that. Um, and just meet the people. See what you think of the case method. Um, it sounds far more intimidating than it actually is. And you sort of understand how it all works once you're in it. But um, you'll always regret the things you didn't do more than the things you did. So don't wait to be ready because you won't be. <laughs> Thank you, Megan. And, and for those of you who are interested in, in sitting in on a class, we actually have class visits coming up in early July, uh, July 7th and 8th in Roslyn. Come see a, see a class. Uh, to Skip's earlier point, uh, the students have a lot of fun during the weekends. Uh, there's a lot of good energy. Um, we ask students for like a metaphor to describe what it's like, the on-grounds residency. People say it's kind of like camp or you know, it's all this pent up energy. You haven't seen people for like, a, you know, you've seen them online, but you haven't really seen them in person maybe uh, since the last residency. And so there's all this kind of kind of energy around uh, the weekend. So join us for a class visit on, on Friday or, or Saturday and come see uh, what the case discussions look like in, in person. All right, Sean, you get the last word here. So a piece of advice uh, for our attendees. Oh, uh, yeah. So um, I, I would echo every what everybody else said. Um, and I would just probably add that, uh, you know, certainly leverage the uh, people that you're going to be around. So not only the students, which I think the classes when I was this 120, I don't know what it is now. Um, but also there's there's full time students there and we worked closely with them. A lot of uh, folks that I know still we were at the five year reunion and I knew 
a good amount of folks at the uh, full-time from the full-time student tent um, when we were at Foxfield and, and, and our tent. I'd also say the um, obviously the professors, you know, keep build relationships there, and the administration, um, you know, uh, and I would I would certainly encourage anybody who's interested, and especially if you're interested in a, in a specific uh, area, to try to connect with that particular faculty, administration person, or students, um, and you know, just get on their calendar, start building that relationship. So, you know, that's all I have. Thank you, Sean, and to our panelists this evening, David, Megan, Sean, Skip, Emma. Thank you so much for sharing uh, your time, your experience, your perspectives with, with our prospective students and to our prospective students. Thank you so much for taking some time out of your Wednesday evening to learn more about our executive MBA program. I mentioned the class visits coming up in July. Uh, this Friday, we're actually going to have a faculty Q&A office hours uh, series uh, continues here into the summer months with Yorgos Alianis, a member of the finance faculty uh, here at Darden. A very entertaining faculty member. Uh, we just had our prep call today. I think we're probably going to talk about some hot topics in finance. So if you're interested in what he might have to say about Silicon Valley Bank, uh, First Republic, Credit Suisse, uh, crypto, current state of crypto. Does somebody all have Yorgos uh, for class? David, did I was going to ask if alumni can go to that, Brett. Yeah. This sounds like a good one. <laughs> he teaches a very popular <laughs> elective. Very popular elective financial institutions and markets uh, class. So um, highly encourage you to register uh, for that. But uh, thank you so much for, for sharing your Wednesday evening uh, with us. As always, we'll email out a recording of this conversation to everyone who registered. Uh, have a great night, everybody. Stay safe. Bye, everyone. That was a recording from a recent Executive MBA alumni panel, a conversation featuring alumni from several recent Executive MBA classes here at the Darden School. As always, if you have any comments, suggestions, requests, anything you'd like for us to cover here on the podcast, we're all ears. We can be reached at exec, that's E-X-E-C, MBA at dart.virginia.edu. Till next time, stay safe, be well, and thanks for listening.